We've messed something up. You know, in this episode, with I sit down with Michael Williams and we discuss the uh, preacher burnout situation. It became clear to me that the things that preachers need are the things they do for us all the time. Encouragement, acknowledgement, trust, and people to to help. We give preachers 100% of the duty and 0% of the authority and then wonder why we can't keep them in our church or, or wonder why they they leave so quickly or we wonder why they get burned out. The Bible says bear one another's burdens, not put all the burdens of the congregation on one person. I hope you listen to this episode with grace, patience, and understanding. And whether you are the minister, the spouse, or family member of a minister, whether you're in the congregation or whether you're a part of the leadership of the congregation, there's something you can do to prevent your minister from burning out. I hope you enjoy the episode. listening all things true i'm your host cody b uh we're going to take a break from what we've been doing the last few weeks and we're going to take a moment these next two weeks and, and focus on our you know we always do a, a episode on mental health or a few episodes on mental health every season and and today i want to shift gears you know the last two seasons we focused on the the mental health of our members the mental health of the people of the church and and how we can you know, see when someone's struggling mentally or emotionally and, and ways that we can reach out to them and get them the help they need. But today, I, I want to talk about preachers. And I, I have a very special guest with me. His name is Michael Williams. Michael Williams was a preacher. How long did you preach, Michael? Um, I was in youth ministry about 12 years and then preaching about 12 years, about evenly, close to evenly split between those two areas of ministry. Wow. So you were in ministry for 24 years. And tell them, what do you do now? Well, I've kind of transitioned. Um, I was in ministry and started working on a counseling degree at Lamar University down in Beaumont, Texas. And I'd intended on maybe using that degree and intertwining uh, counseling into ministry. But as I kind of went through, took a, a two or three years to do that degree, and <clears throat> it became uh, more plain that we maybe needed a lot of transition in my family, uh, my wife and I, as we talked and prayed about that. Um, we'd always kind of went wherever the ministry opportunities were um, across Texas. Um, I grew up in Arkansas, Central Arkansas, but um, we had decided either to move back to Central Arkansas or move to um, Lafayette, Louisiana area where my wife is from, and I was going to transition into counseling full time. So um, as we kind of made that transition, um, we decided to move to Central Arkansas and um, and look for opportunities here, and, and there's opportunities in counseling everywhere almost at uh, with with demand is, is quite a bit up and inside so a couple different opportunities here and um, ended up uh, going to Napa Valley uh, Counseling Clinic in Little Rock. It's a Christian 
based counseling clinic. Um, so there's some some places you may not be able to use Christian values or Christian you know teachings and, and ethics along with your counseling, but um, they're very open there, of course, um, to doing that. So uh, so I end up going there. Um, I kind of see that as more of a, a avenue I'll go eventually, as opposed to community uh, community counseling type area um, that maybe open my own practice or, or maybe a, uh, connect to a church perhaps in the future. So I want to get that experience of, of uh, kind of the Christian counseling environment and be able to use, meld together those um, Christian values and ministry experience along with uh, kind of the counseling background uh, along with couples and individuals as I see them. So that's kind of how I ended up uh, there at Napa Valley. And, Excellent. Uh, uh, why did you leave ministry? Um, well, there was a lot going on. I know, like I said, I was kind of uh, chasing jobs and wherever the opportunities opened up. I remember when my wife and I got married, um, I went on five interviews in a row. I think they were all in, or four out of five were in Texas, or maybe all five in Texas. But we ended up moving to a little town called Sweeney, Texas, about an hour south of Houston. And that was kind of the first, or the, the offer that I'd gotten. And so we we're like, okay, well, we're getting married, so I need a job. So we, I guess we'll take it. And uh, so... So we lived in Sweeney for a little over two years. And uh, so, and then we moved to Temple, Texas. Um, kind of knew someone and got an interview there, moved up there. And then I wanted to transition into preaching from youth ministry. Uh, done some preaching off and on um, at Sweeney and also in Temple. And and, uh, and I enjoyed working with all ages. Uh, kind of, uh, not that I'd grown out of working with youth, but it seemed like I was getting out of touch with youth culture, even though I still enjoy kids. but. But uh, so it's kind of a natural progression. The church that I worked at in Nederland was about 100 people, so kind of a smallish church, um, you know, where I could uh, bring in some youth ministry activities and ideas and work with youth and also uh, work with the adult population. So, kind of that's kind of how we got there. And, and like I said, I kind of gotten uh, towards the end of being at Nederland, I'd kind of gotten burnt out on ministry a bit. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like being on an island a little bit. I had a couple ministers I'd met with for. A few years or so um, and we would meet weekly and then one of them moved away and then um, the other one they were two really good friends actually and so they included me but one of them moved away and then I kind of quit meeting with the other one that was left there in the Beaumont area and and uh, never did really connect or reconnect so it got to the point where it was kind of like on an island almost of uh, you know I was doing what I was doing and and uh, felt like I was uh, like the uh, what's the Tom Hanks movie where he's on the island and I didn't see that movie, but where he had the volleyball. Remember the name of that movie? Uh, no, I don't. I can't think of it. But he was stuck on the island, and he started talking to his volleyball. And Castaway. Cast, maybe, yeah. I didn't see the movie. But, yeah, the same concept. You know, you feel like you're talking to a volleyball sometimes. Because, um, <laughs> uh, you know, just just kind of gotten burned out and just felt like I was the, the one man in the rowboat, you know, kind of rowing. Uh, trying to trying to get everybody else to help row and it just felt like it was and I, I just felt like too from their perspective they needed a new voice to come in and I'd been there 12, 12 years or so and so you know I was I love the people um, they love me and uh, but it just kind of got to where they need a new voice and I needed a new uh, direction to go we we felt like we have adopted a one and two year old and have a 16 and 19 year old so we just kind of need to be near one of our families a little bit more um, so that's kind of Lots of transitioning, and uh, and I always enjoyed counseling as well, um, as I as I did that and interacted with people in ministry. Um, so it's just kind of a natural progression. I know I've talked to other people. I think that said they've heard of a number of ministers, pastors that have kind of mm -hmm. gone into counseling transition, transitioned into counseling. So it's kind of a natural progression in some sense of 
uh, helping, they call them helping, helping careers sometimes or something like that. So kind of parallel. Well, I'm glad you landed here in Central Arkansas. It's been a, he worships with us here at Northside. He's actually the leader of, of the life group me and Allie are a part of. Yeah, yeah. And we, we've loved getting to know you and, and Brooke and, and your kids. And uh, y'all have been a blessing to us the last uh, two and a half months now that, we, mm. that we've been here. Um, and, and so I, I want to thank you for that. And that's why I wanted to have Michael on the show. I mean, who better to talk about preacher burned out than a burned out preacher who's in mental health field now? <laughs> Transition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an expert. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but so, okay. We are, and I've, I've heard people talk about this, it seems like the last 22 years, basically since I've been paying attention to ministers and ministry. You know, there's not enough people going into ministry. We're not, churches aren't able to attain and retain ministers for, for a very long time. There's a minister shortage. <clears throat> And we have to look at the facts that one of the things is preacher burnout is a part of this. Uh, in 2021, the Pastoral Mental Health uh, Survey done by Faith Life showed that 40% of pastors and preachers from the ages of 25 to 40 were regularly burnt out or burned out. Uh, one in 10 pastors and preachers contemplated suicide in the past year. This is the 2021 Pastoral Mental Health Survey. Um, and I think it was about 35% of, of those pastors and preachers who were uh, 55 and over felt regularly burned out. Um, so this is a problem, Michael. I have another statistic here. October, two, October 2021 Barna study said 38% of ministers thought about quitting ministry. Um, in the previous year, and that was up from 29% who gave the same answer the previous year. So from 2020-2021, it went from 29 to 38% of ministers that are thinking like, what could I do besides this, or what should I quit, should I go do something else? Um, so only increasing, and I, I know COVID kind of um, oh, was, yeah. uh, uh, especially being at a smaller church somewhat, you know, you're kind of like, <clears throat> talking about being on an island, you know, but you're going, okay, what do I do? How do I do this? You became a, all of a sudden become a tech expert along with ministry and, you know, other, or have to become a tech expert and figure out what's, what's going to work and what's not going to work in, in a short amount of time. And so some people are happy, some people are unhappy and you don't get to be around each other, you know, for a little while. We, we kind of uh, met when we could, uh, generally speaking, but we had a month or six weeks where we were separated and not meeting as a group. So, uh, but so yeah, and of course fellowship is important and being able to interact and weekly um, is, is kind of a, uh, a schedule or disrupted in every facet from, uh, you know, children's activities and church and school and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, lots of challenges. Um, and like I said, ministry as well. Am I doing this right? Are we meeting needs? Are we helping people? Are we encouraging people? How do we do that in this new environment? So yeah, just a lot of stuff uh, kind of thrown into the wash all at once mm -hmm. there. <laughs> so before we get into all this, what <clears throat> let's, let's put a definition on it. What, what is burnout? How would you define it? I don't know. I haven't thought about a, a technical <laughs> definition. I know it's kind of one of those things, you know, it, I think that was a, in the eighties. I think I heard um, some definition of pornography like that from a politician. And he said, I don't know that I can explain it, but I know it when I see it. 
I don't know if that's a good. I don't know if that's a good example. I don't. I don't guess you'd be seeing it. Hopefully, wouldn't be seeing it. But anyway, I don't know if I could give a, a technical definition. But I know it when I feel it. I guess or know it whenever I see it. <clears throat> I guess uh, I know one thing or one concept. I think that as I've gotten into counseling, that's important is um, the importance of a physical, you know, good physical shape of ourself and our, our mental shape of ourself and spiritual shape of ourself are all integral. In, in being a whole person, um, you know, because, you know, I think about, or I've thought in the past, I've probably, out of those three, I've probably left mental health at the lowest, not that I, like, work out mm. every day or anything like that either, but but I've always been in decent physical shape and done a little bit, you know, I work around my yard and different things, and, and you know, and, and I'm being in ministry, obviously, spiritual health is at the top of the list and one of the important, most important things, but but I think mental health has probably kind of lagged a little bit behind for me as far as recognition of importance in addressing uh, those things. Uh, it requires us to slow down, which in our culture is not something you do, generally speaking. Um, you know, as I was thinking too, uh, as you read through the Gospels uh, and as you pay attention, Jesus engaged in ministry, but also at times, and then it would say, you know, he went off on a hill by himself or something, you know, or went off by himself, you know, after he had been intensely kind of uh, healing and, and in a group, you know, and, you know, feed the 5,000. I think after that, one of the gospels, he's, he goes off by himself and the apostles. And, uh, but, you know, he has this engagement and rest, engagement and rest, you know, and it's not engagement, 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 you know, kind of like we think of with our schedules and having our schedules full and I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to take care of those people. got to take care of my family. got to take care of, you know, jillion different things. And, and uh, sometimes our mental health is something that kind of falls through the cracks. <clears throat> and, and I think, too, um, I was talking with a guy the other day that had came in uh, that I counseled, and he said, well, I always thought of myself as being okay and getting through life, you know, and not needing a counselor. And I think this is kind of a bunch of gibberish on some level, but here I am, you know. And I told him, I said, you know, part of counseling is me holding up a mirror, you know, to you and, and saying, well, who are you? Who are you right now? Who do you want to be? You know, and kind of working through those things, you know, you have some of those answers yourself, but a lot of times we don't slow down enough to stop and kind of smell the roses, as we might say the old saying, but stop and look at ourselves and say, am I who I want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, am I who I'm called to be? Am I who God calls me to be? Because we're just busy doing stuff, which isn't bad to do stuff. Some people don't do stuff. So it's good to do stuff because stuff needs to be done. But also at times, uh, as Jesus disengaged and went by himself to pray, um, to the Father, went by himself with the disciples to say, hey, let's rest. Um, you know, we've been doing a lot of stuff, let's just rest. It's okay, uh, you know, to rest. Because culturally, sometimes our, our culture looks at that and says, that's not something we do. We don't rest. You know, we do. We keep on doing um, until the wheels fall off. And then we keep on doing. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, between those three, uh, physical and, and uh, mental health and spiritual health, all are important um, to keeping a, a healthy psyche, you know, kind of a healthy a healthy mind um, as we do uh, try to do go and do uh, those things because if one of those tanks get empty uh, a lot of times we do lead to to burnout uh, potentially you know as our we maybe don't take care of our, our spiritual health um, you know and we take care of some of those other things or we don't take care of our mental health or even our physical health sometimes our body gets draggy down and and uh, but all those three three are very integral <clears throat> in uh, keeping keeping strong so that was a long ways around to get to a definition of mental health no that's I, great i don't know if i got to a definition but <laughs> no well that, that's all right you i mean you explain what what how we can prevent it what dance around looking for. dance around it there
<laughs> so you you know you said take a break mm. uh, Michael when you know you were a minister of a of hundred people I, I was a minister of, of a hundred person congregation of, mm. you know we've started smart congregations I've started smart congregations mm. um when I took a break, things fell apart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a spin on a lot of things. And, yeah. and things, uh, and I felt like things were falling apart. And, and sometimes it, it was bad. And then when I stepped back in, things were worse than, than when I left. And I feel like I got to play catch up for the next mm. two months. Mm. How, how do we. How can I comfortably take a break? Balance. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, uh, and a lot of ministers, maybe too, it's, it, you, you're a yes person. I want to help people. I want to give to people. I want to make things, you know, sometimes you make things happen. Say, hey, the Smiths over here can help you out or whatever. You know, you're a connector. Um, and, and that's helpful too, to be able to get someone else to do the work in the ministry and train someone else to do that. But, but sometimes you got to realize it's okay to say no. You know, um, especially if you have something planned with your wife, maybe your family or, um, and that's difficult for me and it came easier to do, but difficult for me because uh, I want to help everybody. You know, I'm wired to help people. I'm wired to, uh, to serve people and, and do, you know, and take care of. And, uh, and sometimes you got to realize it's okay to say no. Um, and, and at times whenever you ask people, I know, um, the minister I'd worked with before at one time, I'd. I try in youth ministry. I tried to get all ages of the congregation involved with the youth in different ways, and and so I would come up with different things to interact with older people and <clears throat> and have um, activities that maybe the older people had organized. And the minister I worked with, the, the main minister of the church, he said, "How'd you how'd you get that done? You know, how did you make that happen?" And I said, "Well, I just ask them. You know, I said, hey, here's an idea I have, and here's what I need you to do. Can you do that? You know, and oh yeah, we'll do that. And so so they did the ministry, and and I had organized it. So. You know, there's that's helpful sometimes training people to, and I know too the the idea in counseling too is eventually you know is that you don't need a counselor because you worked with you know as a work with a client as a counselor and you've got them to healthy thinking and healthy living and, <clears throat> and and gotten those. But I think in ministry the same idea is true almost. And I've heard of I remember back in I don't remember I think it was in Washington D.C. there was a church that there were there were no paid ministers but they had you know different people would speak and present sermons and teach and different things because the idea and the mentality was that everyone is a minister. You know, we kind of talk about that as a philosophy sort of and as uh, scripture talks about that. And and sometimes I don't think we practice it enough to challenge people to say, hey, what are you doing? How are you inserting yourself in the ministry, whether it be mowing the church lawn or mowing the, the you know, the old person's lawn that can't get out and mow their lawn or, you know, that you don't have to be preaching a sermon necessarily or teaching a Bible class or maybe you do, you know, but, but what are you doing that's, you know, providing, uh, being a part of the body um, rather than just, uh, I, I think of it in terms of pr production and consumption too. What are you producing? Uh, people are good at consuming, but what are you producing? So... I think in, in some way, especially at a smaller church, to train, you know, and some people are willing to jump in, but also taking the people on the fringe and saying, hey, you know, I think you could teach a youth Bible class. Why don't you match up with Joe and watch him teach for, you know, for a couple months and, and, uh, and I can get you some resources and, and, uh, and maybe you can teach, you know, in six months after you kind of watch him for a little bit and uh, kind of challenging people to, to take a step up a little bit.
Yeah, it's difficult. Um, and also when the mentality of some, even as Christians, are I'm going to sit and consume. Yeah. And I've sat and consumed for 30 years, so why should I, why should I get up and produce when I've consumed for 30 years or whatever uh, the case may be? So it's difficult yeah, to change, uh, change that mindset uh, for some folks. To change the, I mean, now we're getting to a congregation's culture. Mm. I mean, it, you know, different congregations have different cultures, and some some have the can-do, let's-go attitude, and, and, and some don't. Yeah, there's some, I've, I've seen some small churches, 100 or less, that do just amazing, three or four different amazing ministries across mm-hmm. a small town, maybe, that say, hey, like I said, I'm, we're going to, not the minister necessarily doing it, but the members saying, hey, we're going to pick this up and go, you know, and I've seen some 100-member churches that do a little of this, a little of that, but just meet for worship in Bible class, you know. And, and, and if the preacher yeah. didn't do it, it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, that that too, yeah. And, um, he's our representative, yeah. And he is. He uh, takes care of things, kind of. So, what are signs of burnout that a minister can see in himself, that a, the minister's family can see in him, and, and the congregation can see? Uh, we're going to try to stop it, prevent it. What does it look like? Yeah, I, I know um, you mentioned that you, you're talking some about leadership as well, kind of church leadership and some mm-hmm. of these uh <clears throat> some of these podcasts, I know in uh, being from a Church of Christ background, there's um, kind of a interesting conundrum among, uh, as you look at other church movements and how leadership looks, and I know some movements, the minister has kind of got some uh, ability to to uh, make decisions and kind of say, hey, let's move that direction or the, this direction or that direction. And in some churches of Christ, that can happen. But some in some church of Christ models or practice, uh, the minister is kind of, I know I've been in some places before, you train up to be the expert, so to say, on youth ministry or whatever or a certain thing. And then you say, hey, here's what we need to do. And they say, well, that's not a good idea. You know, and and they haven't studied youth ministry or what kids are doing these days or whatever. And and you're like, well, this I think this will work. You know, to be able to do this uh, project or this idea. And and um, and they well, no, we don't have the money to do that. Or we don't, we can't do that because we've never done that before here. Um, you know, and kind of that mentality. And you train up to be the expert, and then they throw water on it and say, put out the fire and say, no, we can't do that. You know, and and you're not seen as an authority. You know, or as an expert to use that word loosely. Um, on whatever you're, you know, you're studying, or, or whether it be uh, preaching, or hey, I think we need to preach a series on this or that, you know, and oh, well, we don't need to address that, you know, and and uh, well, I think people are wanting to hear that, you know, from what I've heard from people, and and uh, so sometimes, you know, leadership doesn't take the minister as a, as an expert, and I don't mean that to say that they should be over the eldership by any means, but but uh, but whenever maybe sometimes a minister brings a, a word or an idea or a a theme of, hey, I think we need to address this uh, after listening to the congregation and maybe looking at trends and what's going on in the culture and the world around us. Um, maybe listen to the minister, you know, as leaders and say, let's talk more about that or let's, why do you think that? And and, and kind of, uh, and maybe take a risk sometimes to say, hey, this this feels a little uncomfortable or this is a little out of our element, but maybe we do need to pursue that ministry mm-hmm. uh, to that group of people or to, that feels a little awkward or feels a little off or uh, feels a little challenging, um, and, and I think there's that struggle sometimes in Church of Christ, particularly where the, the minister isn't. You know, it's it's kind of like uh, I've heard uh, football coaches as well, like in the NFL, 
or uh, level, you know, they have a general manager that takes care of player movement a lot of times, and you're the coach. And so whatever players you get from the general manager, you coach those players. But some of the coaches say, I want to be the general manager and the coach, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to say, okay, I want to figure out what players, kind of players I like, and then I want to go over here and coach those players. Uh, so, you know, to be able to be the minister and say, hey, here's some of the things that I think are helpful to do, and let's go do them, um, rather than saying, hey, Here's the here's the box you're working in as a minister, and and so you got to do everything within that box, um, and, and you're confined by that. I think that can can be challenging for a minister. Um, I know ministers sometimes go to conferences and things, and maybe get new ideas and new uh, thoughts or new you know hey let let's look at this addressing this these people in our community or whatever, and and then it's, it may be something new and different and. Uh, you know, I don't think it's as bad this these days as it was 20 years ago. But you know, whenever you know, oh you went off to that conference and now you're coming back and saying all this stuff now, what's going on here? You know, or or whatever. But uh, but I don't think it's as bad as it used to be. But it still can be draining for a minister to say I've got these great uh, this great idea or these great ideas to try to implement and then to be thrown you know kind of water thrown on the flames <clears throat> it can be disheartening. Um, and like I said too, I think it's good to um, try to find other ministers to meet with. I've done that at different junctures and, and I mentioned in, uh, where I was at before for part of the time and then the last few years of that ministry I didn't have that and I felt much more drained. I know in youth ministry we had a group in Temple that had about five or six different youth ministers we would meet um, weekly and um, have breakfast together and just talk about ministry stuff and just talk about families and life you know and, and it was very helpful to, uh, to be able to do that and to share and also we did group you know, youth retreats together with all of our youth groups and things like that, which is fun and helpful and beneficial, and and so you get cross church activity going as well. So, so that's helpful. Um, helpful also. Um, that's what comes to mind immediately as far as recognizing burnout. Um, what can you've mentioned saying no? Mm -hmm. You know. But what can a minister do to prevent burnout? You, you mentioned saying no, mm. getting volunteers, surrounding mm. yourself with people. Is there anything else a minister can do to prevent burnout? I think probably another thing, Last, I guess it may have almost coincided when I quit meeting with the other ministers that I mentioned in the last few years of my ministry. I got, um, I had a friend who was a counselor, you know, and, and a lot of times you shouldn't counsel your friends, even though he was, he was kind of, he had counseled other ministers, so it wasn't like, you know, he knew my mind and my career and whatever, and he was a good friend. And so I started seeing him, actually, as a counselor, um, partially, you know, we talked about me transitioning to counseling and he gave me some advice on that, but also, you know, I just talked about some life with him, you know, because in, as a minister, it's kind of hard, you know, most of our close friendships are with people at church, um, you know, either other staff or elders or, or other members and things as you get to know them. So it's kind of hard to go to them and say, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm having a real tough time with this at church because of A, B and C, you know, because of the, you know, I'm having trouble with an elder, you know, and to go to another member and say, I'm having trouble with this elder because he did A, B, and C to me. You know, you don't want to color the water for the, the member to say this elder is being rude to me or crude in some way. Uh, but also you need some place to be able to dump that, you know, and say, I feel really, I feel really taken advantage of, or I feel really frustrated with my job because, you know, I'm trying to, to do these healthy things and I'm being shut down by this elder or by my eldership or whatever, um, to have a place to kind of dump that and just get those words out there. 
and uh, to be acknowledged, you know, and say, it's okay, you know, I hear you, that is crappy, you know, maybe to have that situation going on where you're trying to do good things and bless people and then say, no, you can't do that, or we're not going to support that, or we're not going to finance that, or whatever the, the case may be. So, so it's good, and, and it's okay. We've, I think uh, one of the, the Christian uh, singing groups has a, a song called It's Okay Not to Be Okay, or that theme is in that song anyway. <clears throat> but it's okay not to be okay. I know before I went to, to see a counselor, um, I kind of felt like, you know, something's wrong if you have to go to counseling. Something's bad wrong if you have to go to counseling. But, the, you know, it's okay to be able to, if you don't have an avenue to share those emotions, to go somewhere and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I'm dealing with and with my family even and my spouse and, and my work and um, to be able to dump that stuff. And I was talking to a fellow counselor the other day and she was talking about just kind of the unique, kind of what we're talking about coming from ministry and going into counseling. But um, she had talked about, she had seen a number of, and been close to a number of situations where pastors had done some very sinful things and immoral things. And, and she was talking about, wouldn't it be great if, you know, she was just talking about my context, I can help address with, with pastors and ministers that may need counseling, that if, you know, the first time this youth minister has an urge for a young lady in his youth group or something, instead of, bottling that up and letting that grow and mature and eventually acting on something with that uh, young person that if they had a, an outlet to go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, you know, this there's a young lady in my youth group and this is going on and, and you know, I need to share this with somebody and I need some accountability and I need some help uh, to be able to get that, you know, rather mm -hmm. than just struggling with that individually themselves and, and allowing that to grow and, and, and become something potentially instead of nipping it off and trying to avoid it, um, to try to address it early on, that those things may end up in a, a healthier place rather than an unhealthy place. So, which, you know, it, it could be, because a lot of times, you know, as ministers, we're, we're not supposed to, you know, we're supposed to have everything in line and we're not supposed to be, have anything wrong with us or our families or uh, supposed to have great kids, preacher kid syndrome, you know, all, right. those, all those type things. So everything's supposed to be perfect. And, and, uh, and it's not, you know, our kids are just like other kids. and. Especially now that I have four kids, I'm even I'm even more bonkers than I was with two kids. <laughs> as far as keeping up with things, so would would you recommend? I mean, when would you recommend counseling for for all ministers and all preachers and pastors, or is there a specific time where uh, a pastor preacher needs counseling? Like when when is he or she supposed to know? Well, one story I share. I need counseling. Yeah, one story I share too, along with kind of the holding up the mirror thing I said earlier of observing ourselves and, and keeping up with ourselves. One um, one story that I share sometimes, and I, share, I actually shared with the guy the other day that had talked with it, felt like he really didn't ever need counseling. And some people, I don't want to get too political, I use this as an example, but Rush Limbaugh, um, at one point, he had been addicted to painkillers. I don't remember how long ago it was, probably 20 years, 15, 20 years, but. I remember I listened to him quite a bit back then, and, and he had went to, a I think, a 30-day in-house clinic for recovery. And um, at the, on the front end, he had kind of said, well, I'm going to be gone, you know, and, and kind of made it sound like I'm just doing this to make everybody happy and, you know, and just kind of got to do this and hate to be gone for my show, blah, 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 you know. And so he goes for 30 days, has guest hosts and everything, and he comes back, and he talked about the experience of being in counseling and in-house counseling, you know, for in-house treatment. And um, he was just floored by how helpful it was, you know. 
because he had talked about I thought I knew who I was and why I do things and blah 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 and but he you know he kind of said you know for 30 days I just kind of sat there and looked at myself and he said I began to see why people treated me a certain way and why I allowed them to or why I treated people a certain way certain individual relationships you know and kind of why I do things the way I do you know and he said I really hadn't thought about that you know this things just kind of happen and they happen but he said it was the most he's like it's the best thing that could have ever happened to me you know and I think he was very much more, you know, moving forward, much more contemplative about uh, why he did things and who his friends are and things like that. But, but I remember that, you know, from the sense of, you know, we may say, well, I'm perfectly fine and everything's great and my family's great and my ministry's great and my life is great. And that may be true on a lot of levels, but, but it's good also to have, uh, you know, kind of that net there so that, kind of like I was saying earlier, you don't fall into something quickly, something that could happen quickly sometimes where you hit rock bottom because of, you know, challenges, sinful, you know, participating in some sinful things, uh, even as a minister, and you go, how did I get here? You know, it could happen pretty quick. Trauma, grief. Yeah, and then a lot of times, yeah, with uh, all this COVID stuff going on, and especially being a larger church, um, a number of deaths connected to to COVID and things like that, and much more that uh, statistically than before and uh, can get into a rut and can be challenging um, so so it's good to have that in place rather than having to put it in place perhaps or having to kind of the old idea of building a fence at the edge of the cliff um, you know so you don't fall off the cliff rather than building the hospital at the bottom of the cliff and saying well we're down here treating all the people that fall off the cliff you know um, it's easier to build a fence at the top of the cliff and keep yourself from falling over the edge of the cliff <clears throat> so I think of that too a little bit but but yeah, it's and it's like I said, helpful just to to, uh, to to have us. If you don't have a sounding board, um, you know, available. Like I said, sometimes you can't share some of those frustrations of of ministry with a maybe even with a fellow minister. Maybe you can with a fellow minister, you know, at a on staff at church or another fellow minister from the area. But but if you don't have that, you know, it's it's very helpful to have a sounding board just to say, hey, here's what's going on. You know, here's what's challenging. Here's what stinks. Here's what's a blessing. You know. Um, in life. So, we've talked about what the preacher can do to, to prevent burnout. What can the, the church do to prevent their minister and pastor from burning out? I think one thing, um, especially being in ministry, uh, in Churches of Christ, this is a little foreign word to us, but sabbatical. Um, some people have never heard of that word in church membership, maybe. Go ahead and define it. Almost. <laughs> but I don't know if a, a textbook definition. What I think of is just a time away, you know, a, a formal organized time away from ministry. You know, as you get kind of overloaded, and as I said, you do and you do and you do, and you say yes, yes, yes. and But just a time to get away. Some people, one article I read um, mentioned uh, every, uh, or a paid six-week sabbatical every five years. That was one suggestion that I read. So five years at a church. Um, you know, a six-week p- period where, you know, the church leadership and the church says, okay, Cody's going to be gone for six weeks, you know, starting October 1st or whatever. And what are we, what are we going to do to kind of cover the bases or whatever? Because he's going to go do. And the idea, too, is you do things that are healthy for your ministry. Um, you know, maybe plan 2024's preaching schedule. 2023 is 2023's preaching schedule. Or, or go, um, you know, tr- go to a visit family, you know, that live in Maine or something far away or something, you know, but, but also and visit other churches, uh, perhaps, and, and talk with other ministers, pastors about, 
you know, maybe someone you've read their book or, or someone that you admire in your church movement to say, hey, can I meet with you on Tuesday, you know, whatever date, and plan your trip around that, you know, to, to interview them and sit down with them and say, here's what I'm going through and here's challenges that I have. Or, but, but the idea is that it's not totally, and part of it's pleasure, you know, with your family maybe, but mm-hmm. part of it is also kind of processing things, thinking about things, where do I need to go as a minister, where does the church need to go, where have we been, maybe, but just to get away and, and disengage and kind of look at things with a more objective eyes rather than, oh no, you know, it's Friday and I got to preach Sunday, you know, or, or whatever, you know, everything's, it always seems like Friday sometimes as a preacher, even though it's Tuesday, it feels like Friday almost uh, <laughs> sometimes because you're like, what am I going to preach on next Sunday, you know, or if you got a series, it's a little easier, but, but, uh, but yeah, some type of, go ahead. Well, what's the difference between a sabbatical and vacation? Let's... Yeah, I think a little bit of, uh, like I said, and there, I know some churches, <clears throat> I don't think they're as bad, but some leadership comes from the business mentality. You get a week's vacation, your first three years of work, and then you work to two weeks for one of the churches I was at. One of the minutes or elders was kind of like that. and uh, But we kind of, and, and it was like five elders, so it wasn't like he was the only one talking. But, but you know, there's this mentality of we got to squeeze everything out of the minister that we yes. can, you know, and if we don't, we're not getting our money's worth, you know, or something like that. But... But, you know, there's a, and time off isn't as big of a deal as it used to be, and, and more churches are allowing conferences, you know, a conference a year or something to pay and, mm-hmm. and time off and all that, which is very helpful as well. Uh, but, yeah, the, uh, uh, what was your original question? What's How the difference did, between, oh, difference between yeah. and vacation? I was walking the dog a little bit there. You're fine. But, uh, but, yeah, sabbatical, like I said, it's very intentional still. It's not like I'm going to take six weeks off and just, uh be sitting in my living room with my feet on the coffee table. Um, but the idea is, like I said, part of it may be that. Yes. Um, you know, 10, 15%. And, you know, part of it going on a pleasure, maybe a pleasure trip with your family. Uh, we always want to go to Disneyland or something, whatever. Disney World, maybe that a little bit. Uh, but like I said, part of it is being intentional about um, where have I been as a minister? Where's the church been? What have we accomplished? What have we not accomplished that we want to accomplish? What, how can we accomplish that? You know, goals. What are some goals for next year? Um, preaching schedule maybe, you know, for next year, things like that. Sounds like serious meditation time. Yeah, and part of it, um, definitely. I would say a third to a half maybe. I know I've seen in some uh, Facebook Facebook groups I've been in, people have talked about sabbaticals. I never got to experience one. But people talked about sabbaticals and what they planned on doing and kind of even how awkward it was almost that, Mm. hey, I can't believe my leadership let me off for a month, you know, to be able to do this. And here's some things I'm planning on doing, you know, and, you know, because that's kind of a foreign term for uh, for ministry, uh, but uh, but yeah, allowing that time off also is uh, and, and sometimes uh, money isn't the big thing. You know, sometimes just an acknowledgement of elders or leaders saying, "Hey, you're doing a great job," or taking you know taking your minister out to lunch or ministers out to lunch and just say, you know, "Hey, here's what we see in you." that you've been great at, you know, and, and we love that about you and appreciate that. Um, that means more than, you know, maybe a bonus or a raise almost to be able to hear that from a leader or a respected leader, you know. So sometimes okay. it's not always. I, I want to I bring up something here. It's not just criticism. It's, you know, and criticism needs to happen. The, the, mm-hmm. How the minister needs to improve needs to happen. Mm-hmm. 
but also specific times where all you talk about is what he's doing good. Yeah, encouraging and positive. Yes. Yeah, that can be helpful, um, I think, to uh, and, and some people, you know, as we talk about love languages, a lot of people are familiar with all that stuff, but some people, you know, it means much more to hear words of affirmation than to receive a gift, maybe. Yes. A thousand dollar bonus or something. A lunch, a lunch where you receive that affirmation is worth a thousand, more than a thousand dollar bonus. You know, some people go, that's kind of crazy, but yeah. but that could be the case, you yes. know, where you don't receive that encouragement and affirmation and all of a sudden, you know, you sit there for an hour with two or three leaders and they say, man, you're doing a great job and because of A and B and C, you know, and we're, by the way, we bought your lunch today. We just wanted to bless you today, you know, and that could be more profitable for some than a thousand dollar bonus or, right. or something like that. So people, people receive those things differently and, and some, you know, working with some for some ministers working in some context, there is probably almost zero affirmation, I would guess, um, potentially from leaders, um, or very little um, that takes place. So, is is there anything else the church or the elders can do to prevent? I would think, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but also continuing education, I mm-hmm. think is helpful. Sometimes, like I wanted to go into, um, get a counseling degree, and I talked with the leaders I had at my church, you know, about that, you know, that I would be still doing most of the things I was doing previously, but I was going to be working on, it was all online, so it was easier to do from that perspective, but um, but they were supportive of that, you know, and, and some, you know, get further education of different types, or maybe going to um, some of the lectureships and things of, of uh, you know, the leadership say, hey, yeah, we'll pay for your hotel, and, you know, you got, you know, extra $500 to spend on books and, you know, to take an extra night if you want, you know, while you're in there, wherever there is. And, you know, uh, but wow, that's awesome. You know, as a minister, you're like, that's awesome that they appreciate that much for me being away, you know, maybe even a Sunday and getting to go to this lectureship or, 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 or activity for four or five days and stay, and stay another day or two and just chill. Uh, you know, that's very affirming and, and encouraging uh, to hear those things from a um, ministry standpoint. The only other thing I want to add, can I add something to all this that we've said sure, so yeah. far? Something else the church can do to prevent burnout mm-hmm. is is say say yes when your mm. minister needs something from you. You know, we, we've talked about the importance of the minister saying no, mm. but a lot of times the minister can't say no because everyone else in the congregation is also saying no. Mm. Mm. Uh, we When a minister comes to you and, and says, hey, I need help with X, you may be the fourth person he's talked to. Mm-hmm. And everyone else has already shut him down. Um, I mean, he 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 can't do it. Him and his wife can't do it on their own. They need help, mm-hmm. and in order for the nurse to get that help, they need someone to say yes, so that he can go focus on on other things. Yeah, and I would add to that, especially, and I've seen situations. Like I said, sometimes I would talk to people maybe and say, "Hey, I need help with this component or this thing. Can you do this?" And I know they have the tools to do it or the ability. And if you have the tools and ability to do it, to say yes, you know, instead of, well, we've got a hundred other things going on. And sometimes it would be things like just very simple, you know, oh, that yes. would take 30 minutes or an hour if they would just do it or, you know, and they're like, well, no, we're just too busy with, you know, A and B and C or no, we can't do that. We, we don't have the ability or we don't. Have, I'm like, yeah, you do. You know, if you'll just do it, you can do it, you know. And, uh, but if, especially if you have the tools and the ability, you know, to, to, do it, you know, especially if it's small. Sometimes it's larger, perhaps, but you know, maybe need help with a week of camp or something. That's much more challenging than yes. than you know, 
uh, you know, something that takes an hour or something or time-wise. But, but yeah, if you have the ability and you have the tools to, to and, and sometimes for yourself, even if it is a challenging situation, where, I mean, for me, I would be much more comfortable going um, and teaching an adult class or a youth class, but hey, if, if there's no one that will teach kindergartners, I would like to think that I could do it. You know, it, it wouldn't be my favorite thing to do. And for some people, they would go, my wife, she would be much more happy teaching kindergartners. She taught kindergarten a couple of years, but than teaching an adult class, she would get worked up about teaching an adult class probably. But I'm like, I would much rather teach an adult class. But for me, if there's no one will teach kindergarten class, I would like to think, okay, you know, coach me up, you know, someone that's done it before, or, hey, uh, give me the resources, give me the tools. And I would like to think I could figure it out. Um, it wouldn't be my favorite thing to do. But um, I mean, I love kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm, but uh, but you know, just to spend 45 minutes with half a dozen or 10 kindergartners, it'd be like mayhem, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would be willing, you know, if, if no one else could do it, and because uh, I have the tools, not the best tools for that, but uh, but I would do it. I would think too, kind of I talked a little bit about leadership, but maybe from a church membership perspective for your minister is um, let them know that you appreciate them. You know, like I said, a lot of times uh, you assume that, oh, well, we love Cody, we love Michael, you know, and he knows we love him, and uh, we put up with him for all these years or whatever, you know, and, and sometimes you don't really hear that, and especially, like I said, if you're words of affirmation person receiving those things, um, you, you go dry and, and people just assume that you're going to be there preaching and teaching and, uh, you know, hugging them all the way out the door, you know, and you are, but it's good to, to let them know, hey, this is why I appreciate you. Cody, you know, because you were there for my mom when she was sick, and I'm so thankful you were there, and and uh, and I really enjoyed that sermon because I know uh, Jim mentioned jokingly a few weeks ago that some sermon he had preached, I don't know, ten years ago or whatever it was, and said if anyone remembers that sermon, he would retire, and then a lady brought a whole page of notes and said, here's those notes from that sermon uh, I took, you know, and I know exactly where it was because that sermon meant so much to me, and he was like, really. You, you have a whole page of notes about that sermon from 10 years ago. And she's like, yeah, you know, that was important. I remember that sermon. I remember hearing it. And, um, but, you know, you get fired up about that type of stuff when people mm-hmm. say what you're doing is important. And I realize, you know, it's having an impact on me, you know. Um, I'm, I'm being transformed and changed, you know, in, in these ways because that sermon really hit me from two months ago, you know, or whatever, uh, to share that with your preacher and say this is, this is the way, you know, your ministry is affecting me, you know. A lot of times we'll hear something maybe that someone disagrees with in a sermon, or I didn't like that because of you know you didn't scratch my itch, you know, or I didn't like that illustration you used. I remember I had someone one time say you use too many sports illustrations, you know, and I don't use a lot. I use some because I grew up in sports, but that's like oh, not really, but okay, you know, it's like you hear the negative things and sometimes and and I even had a lady and uh, when I was in Temple, an older lady, she would uh, bake these little bread like little loaves of bread and I don't know what flavor, if they had a flavor or whatever, they were sweet, but she would about every other month, you know, one of those would show up on my desk. And I would, I mean, just like, I would be, you know, sometimes I would be walking around the building for 30 seconds and I come back and it's there. I don't know how she did it, but, but, you know, I'd walk in and I'd be like, oh, wow, you know, here it is, you know, and I would eat, sometimes I would eat it all almost at once (laughs) or eat part of it and save part of it for the next day. But it's like, man, that's, that's good stuff right there, you know, and uh, just a little stuff like that even, you know, where you're like, man, she really appreciates me, you know, and and uh, just small things, you know, but let them, let them know that you appreciate them with words, with actions, with, you know, whatever it, whatever it is. Um, it's good to hear those things. Um, even though as a ministry, you may know, well, I think I'm doing 
some good things here. You know, and I think I'm connecting, but to hear people say, hey, I like this sermon because of this, or I, I really liked it that you did this. You know, it's really helpful to, to hear those things and to be acknowledged uh, for those things. And you may be sitting here listening to this and thinking, well, I say this to my my, my preacher uh, every week on my way out the door, but it when it becomes such routine, it almost feels meaningless to the preacher in some of those moments. Mm-hmm. When you say, hey, good job, good job, Michael. Mm-hmm. Good job, Michael. And, and then that's all you say to him, and you've known him for five years. He begins to wonder. I, I would begin to wonder, okay, is this just routine for you? Is this just, hey, I'm fine kind of kind of deal? Or, or is, is there this... another layer under there that yeah. maybe that I don't know is there, but you know is there, but if you would acknowledge yes. it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, absolutely. <clears throat> because the, the fact of the matter is people will go into deep detail, with, with me at least. I've seen this as a minister. People would go into deep, deep detail with me when they disagree or they don't like mm. something. Because of and, A, B, and C, they have all the other Yeah, and then when they like something, it's, oh, great job. Why was it a great job? Why was it yeah. a great job? <laughs> I mean, if it was a bad job, you tell me all the reasons why it was a bad job. But, yeah, no, we, we tend to forget that, you know, preachers talk because, and a lot of them like to talk, they like to visit, they like to speak. And when someone usually likes to speak that much, they like words of affirmation. Mm. And maybe, Michael, I'm starting to project a little bit of this podcast. But that'll be all right. <laughs> something, that would scratch right. Your, something that would scratch your itch sometimes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, do you have any final thoughts before we close? Um, I think else you'd like to bring up? One thing that came to mind, too, kind of from a minister perspective, is that, that sometimes as we talk about some of these things and maybe getting some help or getting a counselor or getting some outside, you know, an outside, another minister to talk with and, and be, um, you know, be vulnerable with maybe of, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Sometimes it takes humility, you know. Uh, sometimes us as ministers, we, and, and we're built up to that point, like I said, of, of saying we got it all together. We have to have it all together if we're going to speak about God and His Word in front of all these people. We have to have it together, you know, and people, their mentality is that we must have it together and they assume we have it all together, but there's some level of humility there too that we say, I don't have it all together. You know, we look in the mirror and say, I'm doing the best I can, you know, I'm trying to grow the best I can as a minister, as a preacher, as a teacher, as a servant, whatever. I'm doing the best I can, but I don't have it all together, you know, and, and there's some level that says, okay, I do need to get help. Because like I said, for me, I was in ministry for 20 years or so before, and, and maybe it was a foreign concept early on because I didn't hear about ministers having counselors mm. for themselves. So, But, you know, I did hear about it at some point, but at some point I went, okay, um, this is helpful for me, you know, to be able to go and have someone to talk to and kind of spill the beans to that doesn't know my congregation and isn't going to see anybody or tell anybody about what I'm telling them. But at least they, he goes, yeah, that really stinks. You know, maybe whenever you share something and that that does stink. You are getting the raw end of the deal maybe, you know, and at least to acknowledge that. And uh, it felt good for someone to, to say, yeah, you know, you're not crazy, um, you know, for thinking that or for feeling that emotion. Um, but yeah, it, it takes some level of humility at the beginning to begin that process of saying, I need some outside help, you know, maybe, and I need someone to bounce off of. And I don't have it all together because, um, like I said, we're told we have it all together, um, which, you know, hopefully we do, generally speaking. But uh, but it's always good to have that, that fence built so we don't fall off the cliff, um, as I said earlier a little bit there. 
I think to another uh, verse that I wrote down, kind of end with some scripture. Um, I always ask people, they talk about Philippians 4.13, and I think everybody knows what Philippians 4.13 says. And, and uh, even in my Bible class the other day, I mentioned it. You know, do you know what Philippians, I think it's 4.11 or 12, one of the two. And I say, you know what Philippians 4.11 says, or 12 right in there. And they're kind of, you know, usually people look confused at me and they're like, what? You know, why are you asking that? You know, and, and I was talking in Bible class today, it's important to look at context. You know, because we look at Philippians 4.13 and sports teams have it on their wall. And, you know, we're going to, we've been beat down, but we're going to be victorious. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Yeah, you know, and end with a prayer before they go out on the football field and God's going to be with us. And that's all good. Well, I'm not. And then you lose to Alabama, yeah, the, 49 to 43. And I'm not poo-pooing that idea of, of having God <laughs> having God in your locker room. But, but you know, the verses 11 through 12, I ask people and they don't know usually. And I, and I share with them what it says. And, he, and Paul talks about, I try to be content whatever the circumstances, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in need or in want. And I always say, you know, whether Paul was having a steak dinner or whether he was eating a hot dog, you know. He's like, hey, I'm fine. You know, if you're going to feed me a hot dog, I'll eat a hot dog. Hey, steak dinner, okay, I'll eat a steak dinner. You know, he, he was just kind of like, I'm here, you know, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm serving, I'm doing ministry, I'm working for God. Um, and that's the secret, I think, that Paul can say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because whenever I'm in the depths and in the, the valleys, when I'm on the peaks and on the mountaintop, and in between, um, I'm striving to, to be content. You know, maybe I'm not at my happiest when I'm down in the valley, but I'm trying to, to at least get to the next day. You know, coping, talk a lot about that, coping, you know, and, and as I talk in counseling sometimes about that, you know, sometimes it's just getting to the next day. How do I get to tomorrow? You know, how do I get through today and get to tomorrow? Um, and contentment can mean that, you know, in ministry sometimes. You got to be, we don't have everything go our way, you know, and so it's important. And there, that's kind of like two ditches, like said, of that idea of seeking contentment, but also seeking help, you know, at the same time. Not that, you know, we say, well, I'm just going to be a glutton for punishment because I'm in ministry, and so I just got to be content while everyone kind of drops all the load on me, you know, and I get the raw, the raw end of the stick. Uh, that would be an extreme, but, and I'm not talking about that, but also seeking help, as you said, asking others to, to be a part of ministry and seeking outside help, perhaps. So it's kind of a, a balance there between those two. We are called to be, uh, you know, kind of uh, to be in want sometimes, maybe in ministry and, and to be in a valley. Uh, and, and, but we strive for contentment and also we can strive for help at the same time um, and not say, hey, I've got, to, I've got to do this all on my own, even though they're adding more uh, load to the, uh, weight to the load. I've got to carry the load all by myself. That's not what God calls us to do um, and not, not what we should be doing. So, so there's, uh, there's a level of contentment we need to seek. But also, um, and there's going to be times where we're eating a steak dinner in ministry, you know, figuratively speaking, and say, hey, I'm on top of the world. Um, and to be content, not get too full of ourselves, but uh, to be thankful um, and, and realize that we're blessed. Uh, so I, th I think that's important to keep that in mind, uh, what Paul talks about there as well. Real quick, if Michael, if, if someone wants uh, your services, whether it's a, a minister seeking counseling, whether it's a minister referring someone or just anyone listening, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, I work with Napa Valley Counseling, as I mentioned a little bit earlier. Their website's NapaValleyCounseling.com, and there's a section on there with uh, therapists and profiles, and, and um, you can see my profile on there. I work with um, mainly teens and adults as far as individual um, things go. also work with um, counsel I mean, with couples quite a bit. Um, 
actually about half of my caseload is couples right now. So I enjoy working with couples, just being out of ministry, you know, and, and, uh, and I just, you know, want to see uh, marriages succeed and, and want, and I just enjoy, I know some of the counselors in our uh, practice, they don't like working with couples just because they want to, they want to take sides sometimes in working with couples and things like that. But I enjoy working with couples. So, so if you know a couple or um, if you as a couple, your spouse uh, need help uh, working on your relationship, uh, can help there. Their phone number at Napa Valley is 501-224-0318 is uh, the phone number there. So you can just give a call and ask to, to, uh, to work with me and, and we can work that out. Um, also, I have a website, uh, michaelwilliamslac.com. Uh, Michael Williams, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-W-I-L-L-I-M-S-L-A-C.com. Uh, and um, there's information on there. Um, I got some articles that I'm putting on uh, on there as well and different things uh, kind of surrounding some mental health <clears throat> mental health type things and you can see more about kind of the counseling that I do on there as well so they can look up on that website also thank you so much for listening and Michael thank you so much for being here sure uh, enjoyed the enjoyed the interaction and and uh, reflecting on ministry a bit so yeah. I haven't done that in a little while <laughs> yeah, it, it was a wonderful time if you have any questions you can email them to C Bradford at Northside C of C dot info that's C Bradford at Northside C O F C dot info thank you so much for listening and remember all things were made by him